0: Truth In My Days podcast is sponsored by the Truth In My Days ministry. Welcome to the Truth In My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men.
1: Hello all, my name is Moses. I just want to remind everyone, this is part 16 of a multi-part series. Today, Sonia will be interviewing John. But before that, I will briefly summarize what we've covered so far in the series, and then we will return to the discussion. The summary is as follows. The gospel according to John is challenged by skeptics because it is so different from the other three gospel books, presenting a clear picture of Jesus as the divine son of God and a clear picture of the gospel of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Skeptics have long claimed that John was published late in AD 90s and that these elements are legendary elements that developed over a long period of time. However, these attacks are bogus. First, as we saw, even if John had been published in the 90s, that would still have it be within the lifetime of eyewitnesses who could confirm or deny these elements. People today can remember back to World War II times, and the Holocaust. True, average lifespans were shorter in Roman times than today, but that was mainly because deaths in childhood and military encounters. Those who survived could expect to live as long as we do today. In fact, liberal scholars seem to realize this and originally claim the gospel books were written after AD 130 and John no earlier than AD 160. These dates were set forth by one F.C. Bauer on the basis of not evidence but philosophical musings about how Christianity might have come about. This is why it is so important for us to demand actual evidence for such claims. In this case, the discovery of a fragment of a manuscript of the gospel according to John that dated to AD 125 at the latest proved that the supposed assured results of critical scholarship were wrong. Skeptical scholars were first to admit that all the gospel books date to the first century which does not allow for enough time for legends to develop and be incorporated into these writings. Legends do develop through the years about historical characters but what we believe about Jesus was there from the very beginning. Furthermore, by pushing the Gospel books late, liberal scholars make Paul's letter the earliest New Testament writings. And there is nothing in John that is not already in Paul. Nevertheless, some evangelical scholars have been induced to even denying the historicity of the Gospel according to John and treating it as mere wisdom literature rather than historical narrative and even likening it to a parable that was not meant to be taken as history. These claims are being used by Muslim apologists to undermine the truth of the gospel message and combined with other attacks on the gospel books by liberal scholars can undermine even the resurrection itself. Nevertheless, despite the actual evidence, evangelical scholars side with the liberal scholars in dating the gospel according to John somewhere between eighty, eighty 80 and 100 and this is fed to Christians in the pews via study bible notes and commentaries. Most of the scholars commenting on this have not studied the evidence directly, but are passing on the party line. And when we look at their reasons, we find them wanting. First, Jesus foretold Peter's death in John 21, 19, But that does not mean John published his book after the event, since this was a predictive prophecy by Jesus, just as he foretold the destruction of the temple. And this was recorded by Matthew and Mark, who published their gospel books before the prophecy was fulfilled. In John, also, we see the fulfillment of prophecies by Jesus that had already happened were recorded by John in his gospel book. And there are two passages in the gospel books, according to John, where the writer should have mentioned the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple if they had already happened, after John 4.24 and after John 11.50. The fact that it is not mentioned indicates this book was published before the events happened in AD 70, blightly asserting that the book was probably written in AD 80s and 90s is baseless. Meanwhile, suggesting that the book must have been so late because it presents such a high view of Jesus as a deity should be an unacceptable argument for an evangelical as it is suggesting that such ideas were developed by the church decades later rather than being an accurate portrayal of Jesus's self-revelation. Nor does which Jewish groups John does or does not mention help date the book. Notice the fact that John mentions both names for the Sea of Galilee. Since, as far as we can tell, the second name C of Tiberius was used before Jesus began his public ministry. Particularly troubling is the claim that Thomas's confession of Jesus as "My Lord and My God" in John 20:28 20, was a repose to the imperial cult of the Emperor Domitian, who used that title for himself, indicating John was written after Domitian became emperor in A.D. 81. But that would suggest that John retrodicted these words into Thomas's mouth. In fact, such titles were used long before Domitian, and in this case of Jesus are based on the Old Testament titles of God himself. Now we continue our discussion.
2: What other arguments do they have for dating the gospel according to John to the 80s or 90s?
3: Well, here's one. If you remember in John chapter 9 is the account of Jesus healing a man born blind, and then he's called before the authorities... And quizzed on this, and the fellow is forced to make a decision about who Jesus is. And his parents are reluctant to support him. And finally, he, he makes the, his interlocutors look so silly that they, they boot him out of the synagogue. And in this account, in verse 22, we read this. Can you read that for us? 922.
2: His parents said these things because they feared the Jews for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue.
3: Yes, put out of the synagogue. Uh, There are scholars who claim that this is a sort of excommunication, and it's based on the 12th benediction uh, rewritten by one Samuel the Small. It was a set of, of 18 benedictions that were written after the fall of Jerusalem that all pious Jews were supposed to recite three times every day and in this 18th benediction they're calling down curses on heretics and troublemakers and on nazarenes which by which they mean christians and so they're suggesting that so they're suggesting that this was put in at this time which was after the fall of the temple and so you wouldn't read something like that, this threat of being put out of the synagogue, you wouldn't read that before this 18th benediction was rewritten. Does that sound like a good argument to you?
2: Oh, so no one was excommunicated before? What, what about all those parts in the Old Testament where if, if somebody does this and that offense, he, he'll be cut off from his people? Isn't that an excommunication? Exactly.
3: Exactly. Exactly. There are forms of excommunication that go quite back all the way into the Old Testament law. Uh, certainly we have something that looks very much like excommunication uh, in the book of Ezra. And Ezra was a good 400 plus years before Jesus' time. When Ezra has come to try to clear up the uh, spiritual mess that's going on in Jerusalem at the time of after the return And he's fixing things up. He's trying to get the people to get back into moral proper behavior. And we read in chapter 10, verses 7 to 8, And they issued a proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem to all the descendants of the captivity that they must gather at Jerusalem, and that whoever would not come within three days, according to the counsel of the leaders and elders, all his property would be confiscated, and he himself would be separated from the congregation of those from the captivity. That's a pretty clear excommunication, and that's, as I say, more than 400 years before Jesus' time. We see what looks very much like an excommunication directed against a certain Honi, the circle maker. That's recorded in the Mishnah, and that was around 80 BC, 80 years before Jesus. So this is really not an argument at all. There's even question whether that, that 12th benediction really was direct against Christians or not, and how, how much was added when it was added. So really, this is not an argument. <laughs>
0: Please note that this is a multi-part series. If you have missed any episodes and would like to listen to them, they will all be available on our YouTube channel and on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can find the links to these on our website, truthinmydays.com, or you can look for Truth In My Days on YouTube as one word.
2: Are there any other arguments?
3: There is one that... I'm surprised we didn't see in Custenberger because it's it's probably the most common one that lay Christians will encounter. And that's the idea that early church fathers, the the early leaders of the church who left writings behind for us, that these folks taught such a late date for John. If we look in D.A. Carson's commentary on the gospel according to John in page 83, we read, There is very strong agreement among theologians of almost all stripes as to the strength of the tradition that the gospel was written under the reign of Domitian, AD 81 to 96. Very strong agreement among theologians of all stripes. Uh, Russell Grigg, for example, writing for Creation Ministries International, says this. The church fathers are most persuasive evidence for the date of John and they unanimously ascribe a later date to John written when he was a very old man. So at this point, we have to ask, is this one of those cases where there's so strong evidence from the church fathers that this is a good argument or is this another one of those where people hear these claims and repeat them without bothering to check.
2: Well, it must be easy enough to just go into the writings of the Church Fathers and see what they wrote.
3: You would think so. That's exactly my point. You need to check. You can't just accept. But it seems like they just don't do it. It's interesting. There's this book that came out in 1976 called Redating the New Testament was a bit of a bombshell at the time. It was written by a scholar named John A.T. Robinson. And what was interesting about it is he was a card-carrying liberal scholar. He denied the literality of the virgin birth of Jesus, the literality of his miracles, deity, and so on. He was very much a liberal. But he wrote this book, which was published in 1976. When he started writing the book, he accepted... There's this consensus on the late dates of the gospel books that we've talked about. But then he says, as little more than a theological joke, he decided to investigate the evidence for this dating. The evidence that everybody accepts. And he said, as he started to look into it, the results stunned him. Owing to scholarly sloth, the tyranny of unexamined assumptions, and almost willful blindness... Much of this this reasoning these days they came up with was untenable. Absolutely untenable. So here's what happens where even a liberal, an honest liberal scholar, bothers to look at the evidence.
0: Thank you everyone for listening today. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. But please join us for the next part, same time and same place. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. If you like our content, please share this information with family and friends. It helps us a lot. We also would love to hear from you. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Truth In My Days as one word again. Truth In My Days as one word. No spaces in between. Or reach us by email at info at com. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you.